Hi, and welcome to the Saturday, November 21st edition of the Land Grant Holy Land Tailgate Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Every Ohio State game day this season, I will be kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest. We will also have uncut audio from Ryan Day's final media availability of the week in just a few minutes, so you will be able to hear everything that the head coach thinks about the game before today's kickoff. At noon Eastern time, the aforementioned head coach Ryan Day's third-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes will host the number nine Big Ten East-leading Indiana Hoosiers, coached by the great and the good Tom Allen. The game will be Fox's big noon game of the week, meaning that on the call will be Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt will provide color commentary, and the All-American woman Jenny Taft will be on the sidelines reporting. Also in the shoe will be the big noon kickoff show, so Urban Meyer and company will be on hand. Hopefully, though, they are well-distanced since Urban is coming off of a COVID-19 diagnosis. As always, the game can be heard on both 97.1 FM and 1460 AM, where the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keels, will be on the call, along with Ohio State and NFL legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary and Matt Andrews on the sideline. As of recording time, the temperature in Columbus at kickoff is predicted to be a crisp 50 degrees Fahrenheit, with a 45% chance of rain and wind between 5 and 8 miles per hour. Despite being a top 10 matchup, the line for today's game opened with Ohio State as 20-point favorites according to Bovada. There has been a little movement up and down since then, but it now sits at 20.5 points across the board. The over-under has continued to creep up throughout the week, starting at 64, but it is now at 67. You can get it at 66.5 depending on where you look if the hook is important to you. Ohio State is 2-1 against the spread this season, according to Odds Shark, and is 1-1-1 in terms of the over-under. Indiana, however, is 4-0 against the number and has hit the over in three of their four games. We will dive deep into Indiana's season in just a few minutes, but before we do that, on Friday, Ohio State released today's availability report, and the extra week off seems to have helped some Buckeyes heal. For the first time this season, sophomore running back Marcus Crowley, true freshman cornerback legend Cavazos, grad student offensive lineman Gavin Cup, true freshman tight end Patrick Gerd, and redshirt freshman defensive tackle Jaden McKenzie are not listed as unavailable, so they should be on the sideline and potentially some of them, especially maybe Crowley and Cavazos, could see playing time today. For the second game in a row, senior kicker Blake Hobbio will not play, meaning that true freshman Jake Siebert will handle the kicking duties for the Buckeyes. Junior long snapper Rowan McCullough is listed as a game-time decision. The remaining players deemed unavailable are junior cornerback Cam Brown, true freshman defensive lineman Jacoby Cowan, senior wide receiver Jalen Harris, senior tight end Jake Hausman, junior cornerback Lloyd McFarquhar, and true freshman safety Court Williams. All right, let's refocus on the Hoosiers here for a few minutes. They come into today's game as one of the most buzzed about stories in all of college football throughout the 2020 season. In week one, they won an absolutely insane overtime contest against Penn State by a score of 36 to 35 as quarterback Michael Penix Jr. dove for the pylon on a two-point conversion that ended up being one of the most overanalyzed plays this side of the spot, which was, as we all know, good. In week two, they beat Rutgers 37-21, despite that bonkers multilateral play that the Scarlet Knights ran that I spent an entire week talking about here in the podcast feed. If you still haven't seen it, look it up. It's amazing, and it's a travesty that the refs overturned it. 
Then Indiana demolished Michigan 38-21 and Michigan State 24-0 in back-to-back weeks. I think they are now officially the champions of the Mitten State. IU comes into this game with a third-ranked scoring offense in the Big Ten at 33.8 points per game and fourth in scoring defense, allowing just 19.3 points. For comparison, the Buckeyes are second in scoring average in the B1G at 46.3 points per game and fifth on defense, allowing 23. Quarterback Michael Penix Jr. comes into the game completing 60.7% of his passes for a total of 1,070 yards, nine touchdowns, and three interceptions on the season. The Hoosiers are very much a pass-first team, with Ty Freifogel and Wap Fillier both tied for third in the conference with 24 receptions apiece. Freifogel is averaging 106 yards per game and has four touchdown receptions in 2020. Fillier, who came into the season as the bigger name of the two, is still going for 71.8 yards per contest and has a score as well. The Hoosiers don't have much of a running game with no one with more than a handful of carries averaging more than 3.6 yards per carry, but Stevie Scott is their leading carrier at 319 yards and five touchdowns on 88 attempts. On the defensive side of the ball, Indiana has been forcing turnovers like crazy this season, picking off opposing QBs 10 times in 2020 already. This has led to incredible field position for the Hoosiers on non-overtime scoring drives. Their average starting position has been their own 43, so not much real estate has to be covered when they are able to score. Keep an eye on corner Taiwan Mullen and safety Devon Matthews on the back end of IU's defense as they create a lot of trouble for opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers. Up front, Indiana leads the Big Ten with 12 sacks, and Mullen and linebacker Micah McFadden are tied for the team lead with three apiece. Now, obviously, the pressure generated by the Hoosiers' front seven has aided in their interception total, but their own pass blocking has been pretty abysmal. According to Pro Football Focus's grading, they are by far the worst in the conference in this area, so hopefully Larry Johnson's crew up front will be able to force Penix into some uncomfortable situations. Okay, after a quick break, we will hear from Ohio State head coach Ryan Day's rapid-fire final media availability of the week, so stay tuned for that. Um, the announcement yesterday, you're, you're going to be playing in front of a virtually, not virtually, a completely empty football stadium Saturday. Walk us through what that is like for your players and obviously the disappointment they have and their families have. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just one more thing that um, you know, they're just going to have to uh, handle. And it's, uh, it's, it hasn't been easy. There's been a lot of these things that have gone on over the last couple months, um, some disappointment, and, and here's, here's another one. Um, but it's going to be an empty stadium and we're going to have to bring our own energy. I think it, it was different uh, when we were in there and we, and we had friends and family there. Um, I think uh, having an empty stadium is going to be just one more thing, but when you're on the field and you're in your rolling, uh, you, you know, you really got to just focus on the game and bring your own energy. And uh, we, we knew again that there was going to be different obstacles along the way. There was going to be more adversity that comes up and, and here's another one. You know, we talk, it seems like we have another one each week and uh, and this is just another one that we have to handle better than our opponents. So the stadium will be the same for both teams, and we got to handle it better. All right, we'll go next to Jeremy Birmingham, Winter Monroe. Jeremy. 
Hey, Ryan, uh, in a year like this one, um, football and culture becomes a much bigger part of the equation. Everyone wants it. It's sort of a buzzword, right? But coming from programs in your past that maybe were less successful to this one, what do you think actually separates programs from those who want culture and those who have the culture that Ohio State has? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, I think it's the type of people, first off, that you bring in, the families, uh, the parents, um, you know, everybody really cares about each other. And, and that's where, you know, even times like this, getting information like this, the support that uh, their families are giving these guys right now, because it's hard and, and they need to be strong and we need to be strong for them. I think that's a huge part of it. And that's the backbone. Um, but it's the work ethic that these guys have and they embrace it, that Mick uh, starts in the off season and then we carry over to the season. Um, and, and we really, really do. I mean, we, we focus on trying to bring in really good players, but more importantly, great people. And that starts in recruiting. And then um, really it's once you get into the program, you know, do you want to compete to be elite? Uh, do you want to fight every day to be the best version of yourself? And, and that's, that's what we do. We just push each other to be better. And, uh, and we share all that in common. I think when you combine all those things, that, that's where you get our culture. And uh, it's as strong as ever. And I couldn't be prouder of the way these guys have worked through these, this time. It's, again, has not been easy. But, but to see these guys persevere and the sacrifice they've been making day in and day out, I'm going to be stronger for this in the end. And I'm really proud of where, where they're at right now. And I'm really looking forward to these guys being able to play on Saturday. Thanks. We'll go next to Nathan Baird, Cleveland.com. Nathan. Hey, Ryan, you mentioned uh, Ryan Watts and Legend Cavazos getting some more reps here the last couple of weeks with Cam out. I'm just curious, specifically at that position, what do you what do you need to see from true freshmen in order to know that they're ready to be, get on the field? I mean, you try to do the best you can. You try to see in practice, um, and the more they play uh, better in practice, then uh, you know the more um, you, you believe they're going to be able to do in a game. But that's that's the thing that, that again has been difficult is not knowing, not having these guys game reps. So that's what we've been trying to do in practice is say, you know, every rep we take is a game rep when you're competing against each other. And when, when the first team goes against the first team, the second team goes against the second team, you're going against really good players on the other side of the ball. And that allows us the opportunity to at least to project it out. And then I'm hoping we can get some of these guys some reps as we get into the next couple of games. All right, next up, Dave Biddle, 247. Dave. Thanks, Mike. Hi, Ryan. I heard you talking about Michael Penix on your radio show. You were talking about his unique arm angle and, and things of that nature. You're obviously an expert on quarterbacking, as everybody knows. I'm just curious, how often – I know you're focused on your quarterbacks and your offense, but how often do you pull your defensive coaches aside and give them insights on the opposing quarterback? Like, might you say, like, hey, notice this or that about Penix, things like that? Yeah. I mean, when we have carryover um, and we we're able to watch each other, especially on our side of the division, we, we watch a lot of games that they need to play on offense. You have a pretty good feel for what they're trying to do, how they're trying to attack defenses. And so, um, yeah, had had you know decent amount of conversation with Kerry. Uh, about a lot of that stuff and, and it's good and again not trying to mandate anything just giving my opinion um, about a lot of things thanks coach yep all right <clears throat> we'll go next to bill rabinowitz columbus dispatch bill Ryan, i was uh, fascinated by the the comments you made in the radio show about 57 practices and only three games mm -hmm. and and uh <laughs> even the thing about the last play of the of the rutgers game just how much of an effect does that have when so much of the percentages of the, of the time you've been on the field has been practices rather than games. And, and that's gotta be tough. Yeah, it is. And then you don't have the crowd when you score a touchdown after all that work, you don't have, you don't feel that uh, excitement, you know, you just don't get that feedback. So that's, that's real. You know, we're not going to hide from it. I mean, that's, it's real. We, there's just, there's a void there. Uh, there's been a lot of practice, not a lot of games. 
And so uh, that's why these guys are dying to play in this game on Saturday. Uh, they had a great week of practice, great energy, and, uh, and, and they just, they're dying to play. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a challenge. Again, it's just it's the way it's been. Um, so when you look at it that way, there's been a great opportunity to get better. Uh, hasn't all those, very many of those practices have not been in pads because of the way it all played out, you know, through August and then, and then into September, but, but still practice to practice. And, uh, and that, that is football a little bit is that, you know, you only have so many opportunities. That's why you have to make sure you make them count. Thanks. Next up, Clay Holt of USYX. Clay. Hey, Ron, do you feel like uh, you spoke to this a little bit? It, it seems like you and the players would be PhDs now in sudden change. <laughs> and, and how will that benefit them and you down the road? Now, that's a great question, Clay. I think it's going to really uh, help them down the road. There's uh, been so many life lessons that have happened um, since March about um, perseverance, about pain, about adversity, uh, about ups, about downs, about work ethic, uh, moments with themselves. Uh, and I just think when, when they're 10, 20 years down the road and something like this uh, comes in front of them, they'll handle it like adults. They'll handle it maturely. They'll, they'll understand that, you know, there's going to be a next day that we, we can still work through things. And, and again, the thing that we keep talking about is when things go great, enjoy it the best you can. When things aren't going so well, you just got to manage it and hang on the best you can. And, and I believe that's life. And they're learning that every day. And they're more mature and stronger than they were a month ago or six months ago. And as hard as this has been, I know they're learning a lot. And it certainly hasn't been easy. hasn't been easy on their mental health. It's, it's been tough. Um, but, but I know that we're going to be stronger coming out of it. Sweet. Thank Next you. up, Austin Ward, Letterman Row. Austin? Ryan, can you go back to you know, just legend a little bit with the way that this season has worked? I mean, you blink and half of the year is gone. He missed that, that the training camp it wasn't normal. Yep. Is there enough time for somebody in his situation to, to get back and help, if that makes sense? I mean, it's got to be a bigger challenge than from other years. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, he can help. I, I, how many plays, that's up to him. He did get banged up there, so he was out, and he missed some of those practices as well, so that was really hard. He was making a good push, uh, but then, again, had that injury, and so, uh, but now he's getting back into it again. He's starting to practice, and so, yeah, it'll just kind of be, you know, how many, how, how much can he help? And, and I'm hoping that, um, you know, he, he has an opportunity to get out there, get his feet wet, learn from, from his mistakes, and, and keep getting better. Thanks, Ryan. Yep. All right, we'll go next to Doug Lamarice, Cleveland.com. Doug. Ryan, we know you guys are being smart with how much you're asking Justin to run, and sometimes he'll take those opportunities there. But when Justin does run, how, how good do you think he is as a runner, as a quarterback, whether it's a called run or when he scrambles? I think he's very good. I, I think he's strong. I think he's powerful. I think his movement in the pocket has been good. I think in the Rutgers game you saw a couple – two, three times where, you know, a rusher came in free and he made the guy miss, but didn't panic. Didn't go into just scramble mode, kept his eyes downfield, found Demario on one, found Garrett Wilson on the other. And I think that part has really, really improved. Just his flat out running skills though. I mean, he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he can run. Um, so I, I think he's a very good runner. Thanks, Ryan. Yep, sure. All right, got time for a couple more. We'll go to Tony Gerdeman, Buckeye Scoop. Tony. Ryan, you've got all of these concerns as the Ohio State head coach, but I'm wondering this year, did Nicholas Petit Frere maybe not become one of those concerns as much as he's been in the past? Yeah, I mean, uh, Nick's, Nick's been playing very well. Um, he's 
worked really hard to, in, his, in his body, and, and so far he's performed, performed well. And he's got to keep it going now. It's only been three games. Uh, but to this point, uh, yeah, I agree with you. He's playing at a starter level for sure. All right, next up, Dan Hope, 11 Warriors. Dan? Hey, Ryan, are you expecting to have Blake Cobbiel back on Saturday? And if not, would Jake Sieber be the guy to kick field goals? Uh, I'm not sure uh, if he'll be ready. It's still day-to-day, and, uh, and yes, it would be Jake. Thanks, Ryan. Yep. All right, we'll go next to Joey Kaufman, Columbus Dispatch. Joey. Ryan, you've talked a few times this year about when you're playing games without fans, you got to bring your own juice, um, and, and that's hard, obviously, at, at times to, to do. Have you felt there's been – Kind of, I guess, how much would you equate the, the lack of a home field advantage in the Big Ten this season? The home teams, their winning percentages have, have been a bit down. Is, is that a real thing? Or Yeah, I think it's a real thing. If you believe that the, the crowd has any, um, any you know, effect on a game, yeah. I mean, whether it's snap counts or just energy, momentum on defense, things like that, getting them up on third down, I think uh, for sure it's had an effect. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing really that's different is that you're not in your home stadium. You know, you're not traveling somewhere else. But in terms of the playing conditions, yeah, it is different not having fans there. All right, and last question to Tim May, Letter Monroe. Tim. Tim Tim's under a 10. Hey, Tim. Yeah, I'm kind of in a 10. I'm on a golf course. Sorry about that, man. I had the, the wind's blowing like 30. It's affecting my game, brother. <laughs> Hey, real quick, Ryan, do you – I guess the test for Saturday's game comes Friday night, the COVID test, right? You know, the, the first – do you just hold your breath uh, after the tests are taken and before you get the, the results back? Explain what the angst is like for a head coach in that – you know what I mean? Because a guy could still – as we found out with Justin, uh, you know, you still be ruled out, you know? Justin, who are you? Yeah, no, I, uh, I go for uh... – I go for a run or for a walk during that time, so I try not to think about it because, yeah, that's, that's like you're just holding your breath. And then, you know, everyone's like, well, I'll call Sean. What do we got? How many guys we got in? You know, and he'll go through because it's, uh, yeah, it's nerve-wracking. It really is, and especially as you get closer to the game. Um, and I'll say this, you know, about 2020, we're going to go back on this in a few years and say, remember that press conference when Tim uh, had a question from the golf course in some sort of tent over there because this is, <laughs> this is only in 2020 that we do something like this. This is unbelievable. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do, right? I got you. I got you. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, all good. All righty, Coach. Thank you very much. Have a good day. All right, guys. Thanks. All right. After one more word from our sponsor, we will wrap up today's show with all of the series history, analytics, and predictions for today's game. Welcome back. Ohio State holds a 75-12-5 edge in the overall series history against Indiana and will be looking to win the program's 26th straight. The last time OSU played IU and didn't win was in 1990 when they tied at 27. The Hoosiers' last win in the series was in 1988. They also won in 87. But before that, OSU was undefeated, including one tie, in their previous 31 against Indiana Hoosiers, dating all the way back to 1952. Since Urban Meyer took over the Buckeye program in 2012, OSU has scored more or less at will against IU, but a few of the games have been pretty close, including in Urban's first game in the series, the Buckeyes pulled out a 52-49 victory, and then in 2015, OSU held on 34-27, but 
Both of those games were played in Bloomington, while this one will be in Columbus. Over the past decade, Ohio State has outscored IU 429 to 221, including last year's game, which was 51 to 10. Now, moving on to some advanced analytics, as they have been since early last season, the Buckeyes remain number one in SP Plus rankings from ESPN's Bill Connolly. However, their performance against Rutgers did force a slip in their overall defensive rating. They are ranked second on offense and seventh nationally in defense. Only Wisconsin and Clemson are also in the top 10 on both sides of the ball. Indiana comes in at 26th according to SP Plus, with a 31st ranked offense and 28th ranked defense. Connolly projects OSU to win by a score of 39 to 20. That would be an under and not a cover if you're using SP Plus for betting purposes. But as I've said a lot over the past couple years, SP Plus has not always given OSU as much credit as they deserve, so bet accordingly. But Connolly's analytics do have the Buckeyes at an 87% win probability for the game. ESPN's Football Power Index, a different analytic system from the worldwide leader, has Ohio State in second place nationally, slipping from their previous game when they were number one, and gives them a 46.6% chance to win out the rest of the regular season, and a 19.6% chance to win the national title. Now, both of those numbers are dramatically lower than they were before the Rutgers game just two weeks ago. Like ESPN's FPI, Football Outsiders F-Plus also bumped OSU down to number two behind Alabama. FPI has Indiana at 17, and F-Plus ranks them at 22 nationally. The college football nerds, who are friends of the show, put out their computer model for the game, and it projects Ohio State to win 45-31, to although their graphic was a little confusing on that, so you had to watch the whole video to see what the model actually said. But both Daniel and Josh picked Ohio State to win with scores actually a little bigger than that. They both had OSU in the low to mid-40s and Indiana in the mid-20s, so take that for what it's worth. And finally, the most fun predictions model of all, the NCAA Game Simulator spits out an average score of 34.5 points for the Buckeyes to 12.7 for Indiana, thanks to 1,725 simulations as of recording time. Of those, just 10.8% of those games were decided by less than 5 points, and only 1.3% of them went to overtime. The simulator had Ohio State winning 91.8% of the games and winning by more than 20 points in 56.3% of them. Now, before I get into my prediction for the game, I want to run through the rest of the non-Buckeye v. Hoosier games on the day. All times, of course, are Columbus time. Before I do that, though, first up, the Purdue Boilermakers got absolutely hosed last night by the Big Ten Ref Show and ended up falling to Minnesota 34-31 on a phantom offensive pass interference call. Now back to Saturday's action at 3.30 on ESPN, the number 10 Wisconsin Badgers will battle the number 19 Northwestern Wildcats for the lead in the Big Ten West. Then tonight at 7.30 on ABC, we will get a bit of bedlam as the number 18 Oklahoma Sooners, how are they ranked, host the number 14 Oklahoma State Cowboys. Then in Pac-12 after dark, we've got number 20 USC visiting Utah, who is finally playing their first game of the season. You can watch that one on ESPN at 10.30. Okay, back to the Buckeyes. I have really enjoyed watching Indiana play this season, and as I discussed with Mike from our Indiana sister site, Crimson Quarry, on Tuesday's podcast, I've really become a fan of head coach Tom Allen over the years. But let's be honest about what this game is. It's not exactly close. Indiana has gotten fat while playing 
bad teams this year. Their opponent's combined record is 3-13. Now, admittedly, OSU's opponents currently only have two wins compared to nine losses, but they're all playing the same pool of teams and all of those teams suck. But here's the difference. We know Ohio State is legit. Indiana is the team still trying to prove it. I think that they're a good team and they have some really nice pieces. Michael Penix Jr. has an absolute cannon for an arm and he's incredibly athletic, but watch his feet today. He often throws falling away as opposed to stepping into his throws. Whenever there's a little bit of pressure, he will look to dance, and because he's got such a great arm, throwing off balance, throwing with no leg drive, throwing with just your arm, that works when you've got such a great arm and you're playing the likes of Penn State, Rutgers, Michigan, and Michigan State. But against the Buckeyes, even though their secondary hasn't been spectacular so far this year, I don't think that it's going to work. I'm looking for the Buckeyes to have four or five sacks on the game and a pair of interceptions. I think the extra time off following the first three games gave OSU a lot of opportunities to self-scout and address their deficiencies. I imagine that the Hoosier defense probably will cause more trouble for Justin Fields than he's had so far in the early goings of this season, but I don't think it really matters. I'm thinking that he's probably going to have his best statistical passing game of the season, throwing for 330 yards and four touchdowns. The four touchdowns isn't the most of the season, but the 330 yards would be. I also think that he's going to run for a pair of scores as well. I think Garrett Wilson gets two scores, Olave gets one, and Julian Fleming gets his first career touchdown as a Buckeye. I'm also going to say that I think Master Teague gets the lion's share of the carries finally today, cementing himself as the number one running back for Ohio State, and I think that he's going to go for a career-high 125 yards and a touchdown. Ultimately, I am going to go Ohio State 52, Indiana uh, 21. Um, I, I, I think that picking them to have two interceptions and then giving them three touchdowns is a lot, but I think that they're a pretty good offense and they will find ways to exploit some of OSU's defensive shortcomings. But 52 to 21, still a pretty good victory for a top 10 matchup. All right, that's all that we have for today. As always, Land Grant Holy Land will have you covered before, during, and after the game. I will be mashing buttons on Twitter during the contest, so please follow along and share your thoughts at LandGrant33, your social media home for all of Land Grant Holy Land's Ohio State news, analysis, and sarcasm. You can follow me on Twitter at BWWMatt. And if you are not already, please subscribe to Land Grant Holy Land's one-of-a-kind podcast network where we are not only bringing you unique news, interviews, and analysis, but every single day during the Ohio State football season, we will be bringing you a different perspective on sports and the Buckeyes unlike anything else you can find in the OSU podcasting universe, for better or for worse. So, with all that out of the way, there's only one thing left to say. Go Bucks! <laughs>